Welcome to the All Things Nintendo Podcast. I'm Brian Shea from Game Informer, and this is a weekly podcast to discuss all the biggest news and games from the world of Nintendo. Last week was so busy with that Street Fighter retrospective and all the Splatoon 3 Nintendo Direct talk that we are actually going to play some catch-up on some of the other topics I wanted to cover last week but just couldn't possibly get to. Later on the show, we will be getting reviews of four very good games, or at least impressions of four very good games that have come to Switch recently. But first, I am joined by Game Informer's Wesley LeBlanc to chat about all the news from this week. Wesley, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here again. I'm, I'm, yeah. glad, I'm glad I'm welcome back. I was, you know, I've always been worried that my Super Mario World uh, take or 3D World take did it in, but I'm a regular now, or getting more regular. <laughs> yeah, well, again, I am a Super Mario 3D World apologist. I think that a lot of people don't consider that like a top tier 3D Mario game, but I absolutely think it is. Well, so I'm we're in good company. You at least have an ally. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to say it's the best Mario game by any stretch, but it's it's a top tier Mario game. I would say. Yeah, so I'm glad. <laughs> We are going to be talking about a pretty wide range of uh, topics here, but first up, we're going to jump into some news. We have uh, one of the cult favorites from the N64 finally coming to the Nintendo Switch Online catalog. Starting today, subscribers to Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pack can play Wavery 64, which, uh, I mean, go, thinking back to like when the N64 came out, that was really one of the, like, the first visual showcases for the N64, and I think because of that, People have some really fond memories and like nostalgia for it. Did you play Wave Race 64 growing up? No, unfortunately I didn't, but um, I've actually been watching a lot of gameplay from it now that it's on uh, Switch Online. Uh, I, I have a soft spot for like those jet ski kind of games. I used mm -hmm. to buy all of them back in the day. I didn't have a 64, so that's probably the only reason I didn't pick this one up. Um, and so like that game looks like the water in that game is really good looking for a 64 game. Like that, even today, that was one of the selling points back in the day. It was like, oh, well, like there's weather, so like the water will look different based on the weather. It'll handle different based on the weather, and like the water reacts to how you and your opponents are like like driving around or or speeding around. And it's so interesting to like think about like those are like the selling points. Like I remember yeah. just thinking back sometimes about like the stuff that really wowed us back in like the early days of like oh man, the graphics on this game are so good. Like now, like <laughs> the graphics on a lot of games are really good. But like, I remember Doom 64, I was reading a review about how realistic the explosions looked on that. And it's like, you go back and look at it now. It's like, yeah, like they they sampled some photorealistic stuff the way that like Mortal Kombat did. But like, it's just, yeah, it's but, wild to look back at what wowed us back in the day. I always think about how, because like that kind of happens with every generation, not so much these days, but I don't know, you know, maybe 20 years from now, we're going to look back at this gen and be like, can you believe that that's the stuff that wowed us? I don't know if that's <laughs> going to happen, but it's it's interesting to think that it's possible. I mean, you look at like Xbox 360 games today and they look pretty bad by comparison. <laughs> it's like, I remember being like, oh my God, graphics will never look better than this. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, Wave Race 64, really fun game. I remember actually being a little disappointed by it because everybody had like so much hype around it. And I finally got to play it. And I remember I just wanted to like kind of cruise around. But in the actual races themselves, you have to kind of do like the slalom thing where like you have to go to the right uh, of one target, then the left of another target. And it's like, I don't want to do this. I just want to like ride around with the dolphins, which is like one of the things you can do in the game. But uh, so you can compete in championship mode, time trials, stunt mode or versus and there are nine courses to ride through. 
Um, but yeah, that is a game that I know a lot of people really, really loved on the N64. So I'm glad it finally came to the Switch Online catalog. But uh, most of the big news over the last few weeks, I think, has been related to games getting delayed, which has been kind mm-hmm. of a, a regular situation since 2020. And one of those games is Metal Slug Tactics, which is currently listed as coming to PC and Switch. But it takes the Metal Slug side-scrolling arcade shooting franchise and adapts it to like a tactical strategy genre. And honestly, it's looking super cool. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, this week, publisher.emu announced that it has been delayed into 2023. It was originally scheduled to come out at some point this year. Uh, but I guess, Wesley, like, one, were you looking forward to this game? Yeah, I was. Um, it's I'm not, I'm not like, uh, super familiar with the uh, Metal Slug franchise. Like, I'm aware of it, and I've played some of it back in the day. Um, but it's not one that, like, super grabs me. But uh, I remember when this game popped, well, like, a year or two ago when it got revealed at some conference or something, um, I was super impressed. Like, visually, it looks awesome um and i love these kind of tactics games especially this one that kind of looks more like miniatures or toy figures on a battlefield versus like something trying to be more realistic uh i believe t lopes who i've had on this podcast is doing the soundtrack for it it's a great well what we've heard so far is amazing (laughs) yeah he is um god i'm trying to find if he is in fact attached to that because it seems like the perfect fit for him and i know he's done work with dot emu in the past because you mm-hmm. know he was one of the he was the composer behind shredder's revenge and also streets, streets of rage, of rage 4, yeah at least for for his dlc but um yeah it it's a uh it's unfortunately coming out in 2023 now but again like i'm always of the mind that like developers should take the time that they need to get the like the games that they're working on done and in a comfortable fashion it should never be like a crunch situation yeah uh, at least not a sustained one like i've worked you know almost every job i've ever worked has had like moments of crunch but like uh, thankfully i've never had a job where it's like just sustained crunch for weeks and months on end Mm. which i've heard horror stories from developers and it's just like that just sounds like it's not it's not worth it we're making video games yeah exactly but I guess at this point, this is my second question about this topic. Are you ever surprised these days when a game gets a delay? Oh, absolutely not. And I feel like, and I don't know, maybe this is, maybe if you're a dev, this isn't great to hear, but like, I tend to not believe release dates when I first see them. Um, and it's not anyone's fault. You know, like you mentioned, I'm always fine when a game gets delayed, um, especially if it's to let the team make the game comfortably, like we talked about. But yeah, it's just in this day and age between pandemic, remote work, and studios adapting to that, the struggles of making a video game, it's never easy. Um, anytime I see a release date, I kind of have in the back of my head, okay, that's probably not when it's going to come out. Um, maybe add a few months to that timeline. Um, and so yeah, I'm, I don't really get upset or frustrated or anything these days whenever a game gets delayed. Of course, you know, uh, if you're excited about something and you have to wait a little bit longer, it's a bummer, but um yeah i'd rather play a game that's made competently and without crunch than vice versa although you know there's reports out there of studios who um when a game gets delayed it just means more crunch for the team which is not great and hopefully things get better in that regard but uh yeah yeah because like they want to give the studio more time to make the game good but they don't want to give the studio more time to improve their quality of life on top of that exactly yeah sucks Mm mm-hmm but hopefully that's not the case with this. And uh, I guess if there was one game, like you had $100 and you had to put down $100 and I don't think this game is going to get delayed out of 2022, what game would you put it down on? 
of any game or well i guess nintendo doesn't really have any game anything lined up um at this rate now i mean god of war ragnarok is that has to happen i can't really that's a i don't i just don't see that like getting delayed because they spent so much time not telling us the release date that i for me i viewed that as them like wanting to take the time to lock in a date that they can absolutely stick by. And then they also took what they took Starfield's original release date, right? Like that's a, that's a, that's a nice date to take, I think 11, 11 or mm. somewhere in November. Um, but that's yeah. on the same note though, PlayStation has delayed lots of games in the past. So it's tough. I mean, layups and there's some layups out there like uh, last of us part one, that comes out in a month. I don't think Sony's going to surprise delay it in what it comes out two weeks, three weeks from now. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's yeah. how I kind of felt about like Splatoon three. Like that was the one that popped in my mind. Cause it's so oh, close. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I would really doubt that it's going to get delayed at this point. Like we're, and they already have like that Splatfest world premiere scheduled mm-hmm. for the end of this month. So it's like, it would, I mean, maybe unless that goes completely disastrously, I was just I would, about to say, yeah. What if that's like, the tell for Nintendo where they're like, okay, actually we need to work on this a little bit more. I feel like it would have to be catastrophic in order to to yeah. really affect that in any way because it's so close. Like they're probably, by that point, like they'd be 10 days away. They'd probably already be shipping units to right. stores at that point. So yeah, I think yeah, that might be a tricky thing. And Splatoon is always, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that that's a franchise that's launched well every time. Like that, that well, game, those games... Mm-hmm. Are good. I mean, other than server issues with Nintendo, uh, you know. Other than just a lack of content, yes. And yeah, like, thankfully, yeah. that seems to be something that, that this this time the game is addressing. Mm-hmm. There's so many more maps. They're taking a lot of really important learnings from, from the past game. So, yeah. So I am bummed about Metal Slug Tactics because that's a game. And it is, by the way, I did look it up while you were talking. T-Lopes is composing that. Oh, nice. Um, so that's something really exciting to to look forward to as well, because that guy just does incredible retro style soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, the Shredder's Revenge one is like, it's so good. It's a top tier soundtrack, as with Sonic Mania, which, by the way, Sonic Mania turned five years old this past week. Oh, that hurts me. I saw a meme that was like, um, when are we getting a Sonic Mania sequel? And the other person's like, the game just came out. And they're like, no, it came out five years ago. And it's like, oh, Yeah. <laughs> include like the meme of like captain america and then old captain america <laughs> yeah exactly or the the gif of like the dude young, um, young private ryan turning into yeah, old private yeah. ryan <laughs> matt damon i think yeah yeah uh but speaking of retro games last week i talked about arcade one-ups marvel versus capcom 2 arcade cabinet and this week the company made another big reveal yeah, uh, Arcade One Up announced NFL Blitz Legends. It's a new cabinet that gathers remasters of NFL Blitz, NFL Blitz '99, and NFL Blitz 2000 Gold Edition, and it will feature several legends. They actually reached out to all these players and different groups and licensed all of these players. So I was like Dan Marino, Jerry Rice, Deion Sanders, Brett Favre, Jerome Bettis, and several others. Uh, they mentioned Chris Carter, but not Randy Moss, which would really hurt. Mm-hmm. I think that would stink uh, for a lot of Vikings fans and a lot of just fans of, of that era of football in general. Yeah. Um, but if you've played those original games, you know pretty well how violent they can get, which unfortunately seems to be one of the sacrifices that was needed to be made to bring these games back. Because according to the Arcade 1-Up press release, some of the more violent tackles and illegal late hits were removed to be consistent with the NFL's updated player safety protocols, which... 
I'm not surprised that the NFL yeah. is like, yeah, you, you can do this, but like, we don't want to like have like football players like basically doing unbelievable damage to each other's yeah. bodies. Yeah, they're already dealing with like the real world fallout of football and trying to navigate that. Can't imagine it'd be great to have a game showcasing exactly what they're trying not to do. Yeah, and like that said, it does. I feel like it is a little bit different when it's an arcade, like a very clear arcade style game, like yeah. NFL Blitz, as opposed to something that's more approximating a sim, like Madden. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I mean, I I guess this is kind of like a minor sacrifice in order to get these games playable again. But still, it it, it kind of stings to have those tackles removed from this game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, anytime you bring back an old classic like that, you kind of want to just play what you did back in the day. And this this was a big part of Blitz, you know, whether or not you agree that like that level of violence was fine in these football games is is one thing. But like that was a big part of what Blitz was about was Mm -hmm. the hard hitting tackles. I wonder if like I could see them editing some of the tackles. I feel like the the, um, after the whistle hits are going to be completely removed. Oh, I would uh, bet so. Yeah, because that just seems yeah, that's a shoe in. But I wonder how many of like how much of the tackles they're gonna edit. Yeah, because you can still hit players really hard in Madden. Yeah. It's just, yeah. you know, they don't I mean their bodies don't ragdoll across the field <laughs> like they do in NFL Blitz. So I'm just curious how this is actually going to look in action, but I mean, it includes three NFL Blitz games, and it's going to... Also, they have a really cool-looking cabinet, and then they also mm. have stools for sale representing every single NFL team, which is another cool thing, I think. Like, if you just want to... Like, I would get, like, the NFL Blitz cabinet and then get, like, a Raven stool, and I would be set. Like, that's that's a pretty cool, like... Because th- these arcade one-up cabinets, as fun as they are, they're first and foremost, in my experience anyway, a conversation piece. Like this is something that somebody walks into your house and sees it and you're like, oh my God, like that, that's so cool. Like I, I want to check this out. Do these work? And it's just like, yeah, they do. And then you can play them for a little bit, but mostly it's just like kind of like for atmosphere. <laughs> like if you have like a, a game room style room or some sort of like entertainment den, like I do like these, they feel right at home in it. And I wish I had more space for more because I really want that Marvel versus Capcom two one that was announced last yeah, week. Yeah, That one's so good. It's so good. And I also want the Simpsons one, which seems like it's popping up on clearance everywhere right now. And I'm like, Oh my God, can I find a space for this? Cause like, I really want it. <laughs> yeah. I but, saw that you, you were mulling over. Have you decided yet or no? If I, I I've, I've set a price and if I can <laughs> find it on clearance at like Walmart for this price, which I've I've seen some people say, like if you go to a Walmart, like check their their like arcade section or their gaming section because they might just have this on clearance. And some people are saying it's the price that I've set in my mind. But as far as prices go for the NFL Blitz Legend cabinet, it will cost you six hundred dollars, which that's yeah. that's a little high. I mean, the yeah. arcade one ups I have enjoyed very much, but. I think like the first few were like $400, which seems a lot more reasonable. I think the Simpsons one, which only came with the Simpsons and the Simpsons bowling was like $700. And now they're on clearance for like 400 or 300. And it's like, all right, that's much more palatable. But like, yeah, these $600 cabinets are pretty rough. Yeah, it's, I wonder how much of it is like arcade one up versus, I mean, you got to pay the bills to NFL like I yeah, imagine they want to, yeah, they probably want this to be a four hundred dollar cabinet, but these are some big name games, and and NFL knows that arcade's going to get some money for it, so I'm sure they kind of crank the price up. But and also, you know. if they're reaching out to all these uh, 
pros all these, yeah all these pros to get their their likenesses in the game and everything so yeah I'm, I'm sure that this was one of the more expensive ones but you never know it's just it seems like it's be, like arcade one-up cabinets have become more and more expensive and that's mm-hmm. i think just another factor of all of this but i guess i mean i, I if I'm being honest, I'm actually surprised it's not more expensive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're premium products already. Like if you're spending 400 and it jumps up to 600, I mean, I don't want to say that's like $200 is not a big difference, but if you really want it, you're already preparing to spend a lot of money on the cabinet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, like whenever I bring somebody down into like my basement and like giving them a tour of my house and I turn on the lights, like their eyes are just immediately drawn to the three arcade one-up cabinets that I have. And like that instantly is like the first thing that is brought up uh, uh, in any tour of like anything. So so cool. Do you keep them like, can you turn them on and then make it so where people walk down and it sounds like an arcade down there? I can. I mean, I'd have to like let them into my house and be like, Oh, one second, run (laughs) run downstairs. Like I'll be right back. I promise it'll be worth it. And then like come back up and be like, all right, tour time. I think it'll ruin the surprise. True. Like it's kind of cool to just like come downstairs and just be like, flick the lights on and then be like, oh, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so moving on to something a little bit more modern, as you probably already know, I am a huge Overwatch fan. So naturally, I am super excited for Overwatch 2. And we got a tiny bit of news surrounding Overwatch 2. We are about a month and a half away from that game coming out, which is wild because I feel like I've been waiting for this game for years because I have. Mm-hmm. And uh, Blizzard announced how its cross progression will work, which is something that I have been dying for ever since overwatch one came out in 2016 but basically you can merge multiple overwatch accounts into one and carry all of your in-game cosmetics into one overwatch 2 profile which is actually available now you can log in and choose which accounts you want to merge and that will get you all ready for overwatch 2's launch and then once you do that all of your progress is stored on your battle.net account so all your progress will be automatically synced no matter where you play because you have to be online to play overwatch 2 anyway Mm mm-hmm and honestly, like this is something that has held me back from playing with some friends like back in the day when Overwatch was just like the hottest game on the market. Because if I was going to play Overwatch, like I was so dedicated to earning every single cosmetic I could. I wanted to earn all the loot boxes. Yep. So I'm glad this is finally like a dumb barrier that like Blizzard is removing. So my primary my primary account is on Xbox. And it's like, all right, well, all my friends are playing on PlayStation right now. And eventually, you know, crossplay did come to Overwatch 1 a few years too late. Yeah. However... Like in the early days, I'd be like, oh, man, I really want to play with my friends on PlayStation, but I'd hate to put in all this time and only get like I'd get like the skin that I really wanted in this event. And then I wouldn't be able to use it on my main account. And that would suck. And I mean, I know it's a dumb thing to kind of get like, I guess, deter you from playing with your friends. But like it was definitely something that I thought about every single time I played on like PlayStation or Switch. And uh, speaking of loot boxes, since all of those are going away for Overwatch 2, the game will automatically open all of your loot boxes for you before the launch of Overwatch 2. And uh, I know that Margaret, who is going to be joining us a little bit later in the show, mm. <laughs> is she has, I think, like something 2, like 2,000 right? plus yeah. loot boxes because she's just like, oh, well, I have everything. So she's somehow put more into Overwatch than I have. Like I put a thousand hours into Overwatch. Wow. She has somehow like dwarfed that number. It, it's wild how much time she put into Overwatch. The vast majority of my time was on Xbox. I think hers as well, but I do own it across every single platform that's currently available for. So I have a PlayStation copy, I have a PC copy, and I have a Switch copy, but Xbox has been my primary account. So it's going to be cool to merge all those accounts together, even if it's not really going to add anything to my my Xbox account. 
maybe like one or two skins or something. But true. I, I mean, I always open all my loot boxes right away, but Margaret is going to be like, I feel like she's going to hold like one of those like animal crossing, like opening ceremonies that we saw. <laughs> like, where, like they're like having like the Jedi funeral. Yeah. Uh, 2000. <laughs> that is, I mean, at this God, Yeah. When you have 2000, you might as well just let blizzard do it for you. Cause yeah, you can, you can handle this blizzard. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm not going to hold that button for that long. That would take, I, I would wonder how long it would take. She should do like a hundred and then we can count how long that would be and then figure out how long opening 2000 would be. It's got to be like eight hours at least. That's well, hey, so much. I think it's going to reward her with like a lot of currency that she can use to buy like the new cosmetics. So it might work right? out in her favor. For real. Yeah, it will. Yeah. So I'm kind of jealous of that. But I am beyond thrilled to play Overwatch 2. And it comes to Switch, PlayStation, Xbox, and PC on October 4th. And Ooh. it's free to play. So if you never played overwatch to this point that might be a pretty good time to jump in yeah for sure and i think you can if you're someone who's like super excited about overwatch 2 but you've never played it you can buy overwatch 1 right now they have a special edition i think it's like 40 bucks comes with the first game um a pre-download for the second one and you get like some exclusive skins or something like that um as well so if you're looking to jump in now maybe you know get familiar with the systems that's a fun way to do it huh yeah, I I think I'm just going to avoid that because I've done everything you can do in Overwatch 1. You bought it enough times, yeah. Yeah, I really have bought it enough times. Did you ever play Tales from the Borderlands? I did. I did, and I loved it. I think that was one of my favorite Telltale games from back in the day. It might be my favorite, actually, to be honest. Um, you know, Walking Dead's amazing as well, but Tales, because it's just like that one season and it came out of nowhere and surprised everyone, I think it's a super special game. Yeah, and... They are releasing a sequel to that, yeah. or at least a, a follow-up to that. And it's seemingly taking a page out of Nintendo's book with the naming convention because it is called New Tales from the Borderlands. It really feels like kind of like new Pokemon Snap or new Super Mario Brothers. But uh, unfortunately for Gearbox, who was making this one, Amazon leaked the store listing early. And oddly enough, one of the platforms that Amazon listed, Nintendo Switch. So just a real brief rundown of this. According to the leak, you can play as Anu, Octavio, and Fran in a metropolis called Promethea. And it says that, like, you know, it's this new cast of characters, but it does say that there is a cast of familiar faces also returning. Um, what's your hype level on this? I'm pretty excited. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of cautious as well because it's always interesting when it's a franchise or a game series made by a different company and now someone else is trying to do it. Um, that said, if anyone's going to make a follow-up to Tales from the Borderlands, it being Gearbox makes the most sense. Um, yeah, Telltale knocked out of the park. Gearbox knows that universe super well, obviously. Yeah. Um, and they've got the same style of humor. So I think if if Gearbox can nail like the actual systems and the way that Tales from the Borderlands works, then I think it could be a, a, a worthy sequel, follow-up. Will we get a finger gun quick time event? I hope so. They have to bring back stuff like that. That's kind of what makes Tales from the Borderlands stand out beyond the uh, actual dialogue. Yeah. I mean, it was just a really fun game. I think it was probably in my top three Telltale seasons. Like it was probably up there with like The Walking Dead season one, which was just unbelievable. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of like what else there was. I, I, oh, probably uh, Batman, maybe? Batman season two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah so, I love those. I again caught yeah I'm also with you there with cautious optimism because 
it's weird to be like, yeah, it's a different company making it, but it's also the company that created the franchise. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> all right, well, will this be better or worse? We don't know. But um, yeah, apparently, according to the leak, like if that's to be believed, it comes out October 21st. So we don't really have that long to wait. I would imagine this is going to be like an announcement at Gamescom, right? Probably, yeah. Something tells me that, um, yeah, I mean, it has to be soon, right? Tokyo Game Show is the only other big showcase, but um, there'd be a weird game to be announced at Tokyo Game yeah, Show. Yeah, I feel like this is more Gamescom speed. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then yeah, what's funny, too, about this is um, it's not coming to Switch, so it's not super relevant here, but Amazon also leaked Dead Island 2, the long-awaited sequel. And like, I wonder when these companies are going to stop giving Amazon the listings ahead of time, because... This is two in a week, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's not great. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, we the, see retail leaks all the time. We see we Walmart. see leaks of all variety, but like, yeah, that's that's a rough week for any retailer when they drop two in the same week. Yeah, it's it's funny too because like you know when you're writing at a publication like Game Informer or anywhere else, and we get something ahead of time, it is like if we're so scared of accidentally pressing publish or something early. And because they know exactly who would have done it. So I wonder how they handle like Amazon, the massive conglomeration leaking a game like this. And oh, if I'm Amazon sure even say, cares. <laughs> I'm sure they say, hey, please don't do that. That sucks. And then that's it. Because yeah. what are they going to do? Say, oh, we're not going to sell this on Amazon. Right, exactly. It's like, no, they're, they, they don't have anything to gain from standing up to them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. So that's all the news for this week. But before we wrap up this first segment, I did want to give a shout out to one of my favorite SNES games from my time growing up. And that is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4 Turtles in Time. Ooh, That game celebrated its 30th anniversary this week. And I, I'm, don't worry, I'm not going to do nearly the deep dive that I did on the Street Fighter franchise last week, which went like way over an hour uh, <laughs> on that segment alone. But I did want to just acknowledge what I think is one of the greatest 2D beat-em-ups that we've ever seen. Um, did you play the arcade version or did you play the SNES version? I believe I played the arcade version, but like, way later like to the okay. point where it was like a it was a cool throwback machine that an arcade had not something you know <laughs> current or anything we might have had it on snes but i think i think i mentioned this on the last show i was on uh i always got like the hand-me-downs from my brother mm -hmm. so i didn't get an snes until he got a ps2 uh and by that point he had probably already traded in or sold a lot of the games so no idea if we actually had it in the house that makes sense i remember playing it in the arcades my go-to was always the simpsons arcade game Mm, yeah. However, I did play a lot of Turtles, uh, both the 89 arcade game and Turtles in Time. And then I also played a lot of the X-Men arcade brawler. Um, yeah. But this is specifically talking about the anniversary of the Super Nintendo version, which actually is the better version. So that it, it makes some concessions like, you know, the graphics are slightly worse and the um, you can only do two player instead of four player, which really sucked. Yeah. But... The SNES version did make some noticeable changes, most notably like the difficulty tuning was a little bit more conducive to like a console experience instead of like the, the coin munching arcade experience. Certain boss fights were different, uh, including like they put like Toka and Razar from uh, Secret of the Ooze in oh, that's awesome. Turtles in Time instead of I think like I forget who the, the other characters were in the arcade. And then they also had a uh, different, like a Technodrome level added on top of it. So like there were a lot of really cool things that they did with the SNES version. 
And like this was really back. Well, I mentioned these games before, but this is back when like Konami was really the king of like the beat 'em up genre because they had The Simpsons, they had the first '89 arcade game for TMNT, they had X Men arcade, all coming out in like this like four or five year window. And it's like, God, all of those are like just classic games that I would love to have uh, in my collection, if not like a console collection, like the arcade one up cabinet like that would be incredible to have like a cabinet with like all the konami brawlers from back in the day like that i feel like mm. that would be one of the more expensive ones given like yeah. all the licenses <laughs> having to come together in that one thing and it's like all right what one do you even put on the marquee at this point like do you yeah. have to make a custom marquee with like konami beat-em-ups or something i don't know you'd have to right because yeah i mean anybody involved with that would want to be on the marquee they're not gonna have- like give it up to someone else (laughs) do you have a favorite like retro brawler like these games um i'm trying to think i don't think so i i got into like brawlers like later not too much later just like when i was like 10 maybe like 10 15 years ago and it's kind of been like me catching up on them rather than playing them as they had released um streets of rage is fun uh Mm -hmm. The music, of course, that we talked about has has been amazing in that. Um, I've always been like, I'm not the biggest brawler fan, but I respect the like art behind it so much. I think there's some of the like most visually stunning games out there. Between like the way you know the perspective of them, the music, the typically like kind of retro graphics, it's just always been a fascinating genre to to watch if you aren't playing. Yeah, and speaking of soundtracks, the Turtles in Time just has an absolute banger of a soundtrack, like. Go listen to some of the music that Konami put out in this era. Like all the Turtles games honestly have terrific soundtrack. Even that NES game that was completely just despised by so many people because it was incredibly difficult. Uh, The music in that game is incredible too. Like Konami put out fire soundtrack after fire soundtrack. And I think Turtles in Time might be the pinnacle of that. But unfortunately, if you want to play Turtles in Time right now, there's really not a good way to do it. However less than 10 days time you'll be able to do it right on your switch through the uh teenage mutant Ninja turtles cowabunga collection which comes Ooh-hoo. out on august 30th so that is uh right around the corner and that has like i think 13 ninja turtles yeah. games so like it's a great time to be a fan of turtles it really is between shredder's revenge and the cowabunga collection like it is it's it's finally rewarding my 30 35 year fandom of uh of this franchise and there's a new turtles movie coming out next year i think the seth rogan produced one like yeah which i turtles are back they really are hopefully it's like uh, despite michael bay's best efforts to kill the franchise (laughs) which honestly i had fun with those those movies they weren't good but i had fun with them i had fun with them in the same way i had fun with like the later transformers movies not four and five but like two and three they're not great movies but like watching them is fun and it's cool to see a franchise that's that beloved on the big screen yeah, I, I would kind of liken it to like that Power Rangers reboot that came out. Oh yeah, where it was like, okay, there's some fun stuff in here, and like it, yes, nostalgia. But I, uh, I, I don't know. I'm glad that we're we're kind of starting fresh here. But that is all the news for this week. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we get back, we will welcome a third member of this episode and transition to talking about four games. That's right, four games that Ooh. we have been playing. We will be right back. Over the past couple of weeks, we've had no shortage of topics to dive deep into, and as such, we've had a few worthwhile things slip through the cracks. We rectify that today with this main segment. Wesley is still with me. 
And now we are welcoming Game Informer Production Director Margaret Andrews to the show. Margaret, welcome back to All Things Nintendo. How are you doing today? Hey, uh, I'm happy to report I have <laughs> graduated off of my Animal Crossing island and I'm playing other games and I'm so excited. I'm talking about anything other than Animal Crossing today. <laughs> yeah, so we did have you on here to talk about your undying love for the Animal Crossing franchise. But now we're going to talk about another game that you've been pouring a ton of hours into, and it is, <laughs> of course, a uh, life management style simulator game, just like Animal Crossing is. But this is a, like a different <laughs> twist on it. Uh, it's a game that I've had on my calendar for quite a while, and that is Two Point Campus. And it, it comes from the creators of Two Point Hospital, which came out in 2018, at least on PC. It came to Switch in 2020. But did you play Two Point Hospital at all, Margaret? Oh, did I? Yeah. Um, Two Point Hospital was great because it really leaned into Theme Hospital, which came out in the 90s, which is when I was in college. And I, I honestly, I skipped far too many classes to play the heck out of that game. So when Two Point Hospital came out, uh, I was all in. I played a lot of that game. I think I even bought it for Xbox and Switch so that I could like have it portable. Uh yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that game a lot. And what have you been playing Two Point Campus on? I've been playing that on Xbox. You know, I was surprised. I thought, usually with Sim games, I like to play them on my Switch because I like the portability. Um, like with Stardew Valley, I think I bought Stardew Valley on every single platform before I bought it for Switch. And I, tr I tried to start it so many times and everybody kept telling me how great it was. But it wasn't till I got it on the Switch where I was like, okay, these Sim games really make sense um, and it's probably why Animal Crossing also works that way, too, is I like having the portability for that. So you've been playing it with a gamepad. So that that's an important thing here because, you know, this is a Nintendo-focused podcast. You're not going to have a mouse and keyboard. I've been playing Two Point Campus a little bit and also Two Point Hospital. been playing those on PC, and I'm wondering how it plays with the gamepad. That's a great question. Um, you know... Our coworker Kristen has been playing on PC, but she plugged in a controller to play the game, and I was like, "You have a mouse and keyboard right there. What is <laughs> what is wrong with you?" And she's like, "I don't know. I just like I like the controller." And I have to agree. I think that they did a really good job figuring out how to map the controls to the controller in a way that didn't make it feel overly clunky. Um, to, you know, like I can access what I want to do pretty quickly and directly. So uh, actually, you know, I spend all day in a computer at work and it is my favorite thing to get up and go into the living room and not have to be at a keyboard and mouse while I play more video God. games. I could not agree with you more there, but like there are just certain franchises and certain genres that I just want to play with a mouse and keyboard. And that's such a rare thing for me, but like city builders and simulation games typically are near the top of that list. So you're saying that this game does such a good job that like maybe the controller is the best way to play it. I don't know if it's the best way to play it. Uh, I'm sure keyboard and mouse is, you know, theme hospital. I played that way, obviously. And it was, it was great. It's very quick, but uh, I think an important note for this game is, I can I tend to get really tunnel visioned on sim games and I go all in until I just, you know, like have to max out every single thing that I can. So with this game being on a controller actually made me have to like take a step back a little bit and be like, OK, you don't need to 
get three stars on every single map within one day. Like you can calm down <laughs> a little bit and like enjoy the experience. And uh, I think being on a controller did help me kind of absorb the game in a way that I might not have if I was playing with keyboard and mouse. So talk to me about what Two Point Campus does so well. What does it do really well? Well, um, I think, I mean, if I have to rank Two Point Campus and Two Point Hospital, I really enjoy campus a lot more than hospital. And um, the reason why is the levels are really, they're really different. They did a good job. Like with Two Point Hospital, you could go into a level and you could finish the level. And then in the next level, you just like basically open up new kinds of things like, oh, now your hospital is on a fault line and you have earthquakes to deal with and you unlocked a new uh, OR and things like that. But with campus, you have um, the maps are super different. So like on one, you're a magic school. You're basically like Hogwarts and uh you know, you're training little wizards and witches. And then on the next one, you're in clown school. And uh, I really enjoyed the variety between, like, I would finish one map and go into something else and then be like, oh, no, I guess it's 2 a.m. and I'm not going to bed now because this new map seems really fun <laughs> and interesting and it's so different from the previous one that I really enjoyed that. Yeah, so it sounds like it offers a pretty wide range and, like, diverse scenarios, diverse courses that you can offer to your students. But how does like the building feel when you're like creating these, this, this campus? How does the building feel? Um, if you've played two point games, I think you'll find that it feels just like what you're used to. Um, it's not, it, they like didn't go in and change the mechanics of the game or how it feels, um, which I, you know, I, I, is great for me because that's why I play the games. I really like them. Um, if you're new to the game, I think uh, I think they they do a good job of balancing um, that you can go in and and create the university of your dreams, but also you have to you know you have to manage and juggle a lot of resources. Uh, you have to juggle your students and your teachers and money, and then. Uh, you know, my biggest obstacle is I start a new, like there's there's a level pretty early on where you're creating a culinary school of your dreams in sort of what could be pass for Italy. And I started the map and I was like, oh, my God, I am going to build the most amazing culinary school that ever existed <laughs> of all time. I was creating bathrooms and showers and then I immediately ran out of money and all my students got mad and then my school failed. So, uh <laughs> Like, they do a really good job of guiding you with objectives. Like, if you stick to the objectives, you they kind of lead you through getting the accomplishments, getting more money, everybody's happy. And then as you do that, you can slowly build out the, the campus of your dreams. And does it do a pretty good job of, like, balancing, like, here are the objectives that we want you to accomplish. Here are things that you can do to make your students or keep your students happy. And then also giving you enough freedom to kind of accomplish it in the way that you want to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I mentioned Kristen earlier, but she and I had a number of Slack conversations where uh, <laughs> I was like, my students 
are they're like their hygiene is at like 30 percent, and i've got showers in every building like why won't they use their showers to make their hygiene better <laughs> uh and but every map is different like on other maps their hygiene was 98 percent, and i did the same thing so um they two point does a good job of you know what worked on one level doesn't necessarily work on another level in just the right way that you have to balance things and it keeps you on your toes and keeps it interesting so it's not repetitive as you're progressing through the game and what is like the the course selection process look like for this game because like you you have like the different curriculums that you can teach or curriculi i think is the, the plural of curriculum uh is that something that like gives you a little bit of freedom or is it kind of like a rigid type of uh like here are the courses that you you have to offer for this particular curriculum you know uh they do a good job of i i mean they say you have to early on in the game you have to clear certain objectives in order to unlock the next level and mm -hmm. it's it's not overly difficult to stick to what they recommend. Um, so you do get a lot of latitude with, you can just absolutely ignore whatever the game is suggesting and do whatever you want to do with your course objectives. The more you play, the more courses you unlock. So by the end of the game, you can just like create the school of your dreams and have a potions room next to a clown lecture hall. Like it, they let you so kind of do whatever do you want to do. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, you can you can you can totally go off the rails and do whatever you want to do. But if you want to hit certain objectives, then you will have to pay attention to. Sometimes you have to level up a course in order to unlock another thing. In which case, you have to start dumping more stats into like that particular pathway through college. Um, but you know, do you have to do that? You don't. Uh, you can absolutely ignore those objectives and just do whatever you want to do. So I've only dabbled a little bit with this game, but like I am absolutely in love with the idea of like building your own campus, building your own college for these kids. And like, I can't wait to see like how deep these systems really go because I, I did one of the preview events for this game and it was something like, you know, you have to keep the students happy. You have to keep the university making money. You have to make it the, the school of your dreams. You have to hit these objectives. Like, it sounds like there's a lot of factors in play and they all come across as pretty balanced for somebody who hasn't like really dove in too, too much yet. But uh, it sounds like you're really enjoying it, Margaret. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly impressed. I have to say the balancing act that the devs pulled off with this game is amazing. And the reason I know it's amazing is because I went on Twitch, I don't know, the day that it launched, because I wanted to see other people playing it to get a sense for like who has tips and tricks and what's going on. And people were playing this game in a way that was so like completely opposite of how I like they were naming students and they were just following particular people around. And then they would have like a million dollars in their accounts. And I was like, I'm negative. $32,000 with the most gorgeous <laughs> school and not at all like I'm not naming my character like the way that people can play this game however they want to play this game you can get invested in designing you can get invested in uh, the students or the teacher like you can get invested in this like you said the the curriculum you really have a choice to play this game however you want to play it and it all works in the end it, it really is fascinating to me.
and Alex Van Aken reviewed Two Point Campus for us, and he gave it an 8.5 out of 10. And like, he seemed to really enjoy the humor and kind of the way that it made the folks attending your school feel like they're actually being impacted by your decisions. And like, they felt like real people that you were kind of ushering through and giving like these, these, uh, this college experience. So uh, I'm glad that he really liked it. And it seems like you really enjoy it as well. You can read Alex's full review on gameinformer.com. And speaking of a game that has some simulation elements, Wesley, you recently reviewed cult of the lamb for us. And from what I understand, you put about 20 hours into this game before we get started. And we've talked about this game on the past with this, uh, with the show, but give me the elevator pitch for cult of the lamb. So cult of the lamb is one half, a roguelike dungeon run game, similar to binding of Isaac or Hades. If you're familiar with either of those. Mm -hmm. And then the other half is completely different. It is a resource management town managing sim it's somewhere in between animal crossing and just straight up creating a factory out of human beings um and the two work together you know the the sim part makes the runs better and what you do on the runs makes the sim better um and so they work in tandem and the ultimate goal is to create the uh, world's greatest cult yeah and the gameplay loop, as you alluded to there, it is so freaking satisfying. You do those little tasks around your cult's headquarters and you venture out to the dungeons and you hit it on the head. It feels like Hades meets Binding of Isaac in those moments. And then along the way, you fight bosses, you bring back new followers, and then you also collect resources to further like the, the progress of your encampment. And this is another game I am super early in. Like I'm probably like two or three hours deep in this, but that... Like, does that satisfaction of that loop ever fade? Um, it didn't really for me. Uh, my my biggest critique with the game uh, which is that it's more resource management than it is like a sim, like something like Animal Crossing. Uh, like your primary goal in running your cult is, you know, providing you, the leader, with resources and doing whatever you need to, be it sacrificing or murdering other followers to make that happen. I would have liked a little more emphasis on, you know, actually running the cult like and designing it to be specific to you but with that in mind like that loop was satisfying all the way until i rolled credits at like 20 hours um and it's i played a long time uh the you can beat the game in like 12 13 hours um but i spent a lot of time trying to do every single thing i could um so yeah 13 hours that loop's going to be amazing the entire way i think so after the credits rolled did you go back and like kind of make the cult more your own um, I did some, but the game doesn't really like, it's not like built in such a way where you kind of feel the need to go back. Like if you want to, you could, but unlike other games where there's like satisfaction and continuing to manage your island in Animal Crossing or manage your hospital or your school in the two point games, um, there's not really much to do. Like once you unlock everything, that's kind of it. And I did unlock everything, so I don't really have anything left to do in the game but i don't necessarily view that as like a bad thing you know it it's kind of satisfying to have a 15 to 20 hour experience that gives you what games like animal crossing give you and what games like hades give you but it has like a definitive end you have a spot where you're like okay i you know i built the world's greatest cult and i can i can put this down now <laughs> and how does the combat progress as as you play through it 
So the combat progresses, like what you're actually doing on a controller or mouse and keyboard, if you're doing that, isn't going to change really at all from start to finish. But what they have is a really nice, slick and clean and crunchy combat system. How it changes is you can unlock tarot cards that give you different buffs and bonuses um, on each run. And within each run, everything you pick up is random. The weapon you start with is random. The curses, which are kind of like your magic spells, are random. The cards you pick up are random. So the variation and the differences in dungeon runs come from that randomization, which if you're familiar with games like Hades and Binding of Isaac, you're, you um, are very comfortable with, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I I mean, I think my first exposure to that kind of was, I mean, Binding of Isaac was definitely up there. But like when I mm-hmm. think of like kind of like the, the roguelite formula, I almost think of Dead Cells before anything else. Ooh, and this, this yeah. has nothing to do with Dead Cells in terms of a gameplay style perspective. But if you think about that, where like it starts and I mean, it's another just phenomenal game on on Switch. Mm-hmm. Like I highly recommend that. I mean, I, I, I've never been a huge uh, roguelike or roguelite player just because I get frustrated about like lost progress. Yeah. But like this game has its hooks in me. Um, I, I'm going to I need to like insert myself into this conversation. Do I played it. A, I played a few hours of Cult of the Lamb and not because I was planning to the game play this game, but I think I was on a on a call with Wes a week or two ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where where he was like Cult of the Lamb is so fun. I've been having the best time designing my little like island. And I was like, what do you mean designing your island? That sounds like Animal Crossing. <laughs> and he was like, it is. I was like, I don't think this game is anything like I thought this game was supposed to be like. I was thinking like Tunic. Uh, and then he was like, mm. oh, yeah, but it's also um, it's also like Hades. I was like, how can it be like Animal Crossing and Hades? <laughs> and then he was like, oh, no. But then it's also like, what was the other game? It was like some other super random game. I'm trying to remember. Um, and then I, and then I was like and then I started playing it and I was like oh but this is like Diablo 2 like Diablo 3. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, you know what I mean like it somehow is all of those games and I don't really enjoy like I'm don't come at me but I really did not enjoy Hades I'm the one person that didn't really enjoy playing that game. Uh but Cult of the Lamb despite that like Cult of the Lamb is great and I'm having the best time with it but totally unexpected that it can somehow be all of those games at the same time and it's just also adorable and fun and interesting and yeah it has that juxtaposition of like all right there's this super bloody combat and like you're fighting off these monstrosities (laughs) but you're this cute little lamb and you're going around like recruiting like little horses and and like little like everything rabbits and everything like yeah like it's so cute in like like you're going around collecting these cartoony woodland creatures to join your cult and then it's like also, you're cleaning up their poop and vomit and sacrificing them to the gods if they disobey you. And it's like, yeah. wow, there's some really dark stuff and like really grotesque stuff in this game. And uh, it's it's fun to see that juxtaposition of like the cutesy character design and art style. And then like kind of like a, a fast paced, uh, more challenging combat than I had anticipated. Like there are some really challenging encounters in this game. Oh, yeah. Some of, the, some of the bosses get like really tough just lots of projectiles everywhere on screen 
What were you going to say, Margaret? I was going to say, Wes and I have been having the funniest conversations about this game in Slack, (laughs) where out of context, if somebody read these conversations, they would be like, are you guys okay? Uh, Why are you talking so much about animal poop? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I've I've come to the conclusion that I'm trying to play this game too hard like Animal Crossing, and I need Mm. to start making all my little cultists look more menacing or something so that I care a lot less about them. Uh, (laughs) Because I'm like, I don't think I'm very good at this game. I played a couple hours, and I'm really enjoying it but i think i care too much about my cultists and i need to like and they like keep dying and they keep turning against me so i think i need to like stop caring about them so much and take a totally new approach and make them look wild and menacing that's the thing uh, with it right is like the best cult leaders are are bad people and like the game has all the trappings of like an animal crossing but then you have to remember that you're a leader of a cult and you can't view your followers as like people or woodland creatures. You have to view them as resources basically. So like I got to a point where I was like, huh, I need to buff up a little bit for this um, run I'm about to do. Who can I sacrifice today? And you're just like, I have a great, like my graveyard is behind my temple in the game and it's like 30 strong. <laughs> and it, you, was, it was a bloodbath in my You cult. started <laughs> off naming your your characters after your friends and family yes i did that's i didn't i didn't know it was going to become what it became i was like oh i'll name this this my friend i had there were they were animals so i named them after my two dogs and my cat and i'm like oh "Oh, this is so sweet they're they're helping me out i'm feeding them this is amazing and then one of my friends is like i'm gonna feed i want you to prank your cat bonnie and feed her poop and i'm like that's a bad prank but i did it and i did it four times they asked a fifth time and i'm like it's time to die and i had to kill a friend and then the worst part is my oldest dog he's seven he in the game became old so your followers can become old and they can't really do anything at that point but worship you and then he died of old age and i was like no my buddy (laughs) it was sad but yeah, don't don't get too attached to your followers or the game will be really heartbreaking and tough this, for you because you got to murder people. So this game is also like XCOM is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, I was going to say yeah. this sounds more heartbreaking than like when you do like you name all the characters in XCOM after your friends. And it's like, yes, like I used to do that with Sims and that was hard enough at times. But like, yeah, this this XCOM game is my Mass Effect 2 suicide mission. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I'm enjoying this game a lot. And I, it, like the way Margaret kind of thought it was going to be more combat focused, I thought it was going to be more simulation focused. I was actually shocked when like th- one of the first things you do is have a combat sequence. And I'm like, oh, this is how good this combat feels. Because it, it does feel very good, especially with certain weapons. Like mm-hmm. you can go in and just like, all right, I'm fast. I'm powerful. I have like, yeah, there's there's a lot of really cool stuff you can do. You got a good projectile. I am really enjoying it. You gave it an 8 out of 10. So it sounds like while you really like the game, it's maybe not as good as you were hoping for going in. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like it's doing everything great. I wasn't just I just wasn't necessarily blown away by everything. I think that the the two sides of the game could talk to each other a little better. And yeah, I kind of there's a lot of um aesthetic stuff you can do in the game, but like the nature of the game stopped me from really ever getting to do that because like once you're five, six, seven hours in, you really have to be on top of everything. And it becomes like, I felt more like I was running a factory than I was like this little cute Island cult. And I kind of wished that the game had allowed me to breathe a little bit more to like really design the area and make it look like mine. Cause the systems are there. They want you to design things and and look cool. But for me, it was like, I'm making a factory. Wes, do you have a sense of, so when I started the game, I knew I would be more interested in the sim part than the combat mm-hmm. part. 
based on what you told me. So I set the difficulty mode to easy. Do you have a sense of if the game changes in that way, depending on how difficult you make it, or is it just strictly a combat setting? It's, um, it, I think it's just strictly, actually, let me think, you know, I think it, I want to say it's just combat, but I think it might change a little bit with the cult stuff. This is funny about, I was like 10 hours into the game for review and there was one night where I was playing and I was getting my butt kicked by everything. I could not, I was like, what is going on? Did I, like, I, I just forgot how to play this game. And so I went and looked at the settings and I had accidentally somehow bumped the game up to extra hard. <laughs> and, and I was like, I was so annoyed because I'm like, you know, this, I'm, this review's coming in hot. I'm trying to get the roll credits and I'm like, all right, I'm sitting down. I'm going to play a lot of this game. And I could not, for two hours, I was just wasting my dungeon runs. And I had a tunic on where if you died in the dungeon run, you would lose all your resources. Oh. And so I spent two hours doing nothing and I finally got so frustrated. I'm like, I'm about to just crank it down to easy mode. I don't even care. And sure enough, it was on extra hard. And I was like, well, that'll do it. So I think it's just com combat related. Um, maybe your your followers get more angry sooner or maybe you have to feed them more. But like, I don't really know how you can make that more difficult. You just be running around a little bit more. But like the combat definitely gets extremely hard. Yeah, I am enjoying it a lot. I think that the boss battles are creative. I think that the I, I actually enjoy kind of the random generation of the dungeons, even though I'm still in like kind of the first area. Like I, I'm about to unlock that one door, I think, to get to the first like real boss battle. So I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm actually taking a break from playing uh, Cult of the Lamb in order to talk about this next game or to play this next game that we're going to talk about. But if you want to learn more about Cult of the Lamb, you can go read Wesley's full review on where else? GameInformer.com. All right. And speaking of games that will be reviewed on GameInformer.com, I have been putting a lot of time into a game called Blossom Tales 2, The Minotaur Prince. And I reviewed this first game. I want to say it was like 2018 that this first one came out. It was called Blossom Tales, The Sleeping King. And that was like a love letter to A Link to the Past. Had unreliable narrator, power-ups you would expect in a Zelda-style game. And I thought it was a really great game. It, it just it, it overstayed its welcome a little bit. It's like some of the designs later on were a little bit frustrating. But I gave it an 8 out of 10, ultimately. It was a, it was a solid tribute to like a link to the past blossom tales 2 is all of that with i think some lessons learned applied to this game so still very much link to the past style graphics link to the past style gameplay so it makes it a perfect fit for switch and then uh the unreliable narrator is actually doubled down on so now like there's the it, it the whole thing is a grandpa is telling his grandchild a story and that's how the narration plays out. And the girl who he's telling the story to is the main character of the game. This time, he's also telling it to her and her little brother. So they actually will fight sometimes over what is happening in the story. Like, oh, I want you to fight honey badgers. No, they should be giant, ugly frogs. And you have to choose as the grandpa which one is the the right choice to go with Ooh, and that's cool so like you're like oh i feel like fighting ghosts instead of fighting i don't know bats stuff like that that you can choose from or i want to solve this type of puzzle no it's not it shouldn't be like a push block puzzle it should be a like a musical like almost like a a memory musical puzzle where it's like simon almost if you remember that game back in the back in the day but 
it, it really kind of plays that up a lot. And it's all told in the, the context of like this, like campfire story with this grandpa telling, and like, if you die, like the kids will like, like they, they sometimes they'll have like a dialogue thing where like grandpa has fallen asleep. And that's like why, <laughs> why your character is dead. Um, or like, the grandpa like will do like a fake out like oh well that's the end of the story and the kids are like no no it can't end like that and then of course it will respawn you um so yeah and it, it doubles down on also like the power-ups that you would expect to get in a zelda game like there's like a boomerang there's bombs uh there's equivalents to stuff that you would see in a zelda like there's not a hook shot like instead like there's like a yo-yo that you can throw out there and it'll grab some enemies bring them closer or items bring them closer and then also you can like kind of grapple onto certain points and like get across rivers and things like that. So it's really satisfying to solve some of these puzzles. A lot of the encounters in the dungeons are enjoyable. The boss battles are fun and unique and challenging, and I'm just having a really good time with it. And I'm not, I think I'm maybe like a little bit over the halfway mark, so I'm not really ready to give a final verdict, but the game did come out on tuesday of this last week so i am definitely recommending it i'll have hopefully a full review on gameinformer.com in the coming uh days or maybe the, the coming week but for now like yeah blossom tales 2 definitely gets my seal of approval here it looks great i um have not played blossom tales but i'm looking at screenshots now and i see one from blossom tales 2 with a pirate ship so i have to play this game now yeah, pirates are one of the main enemies, especially early on, that you encounter. It's one of the main, like, kind of uh, factions that you fight against. Excellent. So that is the third of four games. The fourth and final game that I wanted to talk about on this giant review slash impressions catch-up segment is a game that just came out on Switch, Kirby's Dream Buffet. Now, I'm going to go into this saying that these are very early impressions. The game just hit this week. I've only had a little bit of time to play. But uh, basically, this is like a Fall Guys style game where it's starring Kirby, but they definitely take a lot of twists. So first of all, the big thing, only four players. It's not like a 60 player free for all like uh, like Fall Guys is, which I thought was going to be to its detriment. But after getting my hands on it, it actually feels like the right number of players, but it's also kind of weird because in the race section, they add like AI Waddle Dees that are going alongside the four Kirby players. And it's like, why can't those just be extra Kirby's? But yeah. hmm. I guess that would have required them to have a wider levels or like uh, more strawberries. Cause the whole point of the game is to collect as many strawberries as possible. As you collect strawberries, your character grows and your Kirby rolls faster based on how many strawberries you have. But the downside to that is the bigger you are, the less you can float. And it, you only float if you fall off the course. So like if like say I'm rolling on this narrow ledge, kind of fall off, I have to tap A real quick to get back on the course. But if I guess if you're bigger, you won't have the chance to do that and you'll fall off and then you'll have to wait a second to respawn. And so you're collecting strawberries as you go. You can collect power-ups. You can knock opponents off the, the course. And then when you get to the end of the race, which I would say the race is like the main mode, uh, there's giant plates of strawberries. So I think it was 50, 20, and 10. So obviously the first person who finishes wants to get that 50 strawberry, and then that'll give you a huge boost at the end. But like, I guess if like they neglected all the strawberries and got to the end and then just like got the 50 strawberries, but other players were collecting along the way and they got like a 20, that would not completely make it impossible, but it does definitely give you a big leg up if you're trying to win that particular mode. 
So there's Grand Prix, which is it, it, it involves a race, a mini game, a battle royale, and then at the end they also give additional awards. Think kind of like Mario Party, where it's like you knocked the most opponents off, you ate the most strawberries over the course of this of the race, or you knocked down the most cookie walls. And that uh, is a, another kind of equalizer that doesn't feel super cheap the way that some of the Mario Party post-game review, uh, <laughs> uh, rewards sometimes feel. Um, there's also single mini games, which uh, there's one where it's like, all right, well, like you're sitting around like because it's all food themed. So you're sitting around kind of like this teapot and it's pouring strawberries out of the teapot into these these teacups that are spawning. You have to jump into the teacup and then the strawberries kind of fall on top of you. Um, there's others where you're just kind of racing around like kind of like a top down view and collecting strawberries and hitting opponents. And there's also single battle Royale where you're just fighting people and like dodging obstacles on like kind of like an open course. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, it doesn't seem like it has the most depth, but you also unlock a lot of cosmetics, a lot of collectibles, and then more levels as you play longer. So you can play locally with friends, locally against AI, or you can jump online and play against people there. But Margaret, you're a big Fall Guys fan. Does this sound like something that is attractive to you? Yeah, uh, I play. So I play Fall Guys a lot with um, fellow. GI cohort, Kristen, um, and also former GI editors, Kim, Jill, and Elise. And I bet we've spent the last five or six weeks, every time we play Fall Guys, we're like, should we go play this game when it comes out? It looks really good. Um, And I think all of us really like Mario Party in a way that uh, most people don't like Mario Party. Like, we genuinely adore Mario Party and those crazy mechanics that kind of equalize everyone and everything. So... Uh, we're we're actually planning to ditch Fall Guys for our next uh, for our next meetup, and we're gonna play this. And I'm really excited because it just it looks adorable. It looks like it has all the fun parts of Fall Guys and Mario Party all together. Which I mean, I don't know what else I could ask for. It looks great. Yeah, the the mini game diversity isn't quite what you would get in a Mario Party. Nor is kind of like the frantic action of the race really the the diversity and the kind of the the frantic nature of a fall guys game but i mean it's i'm very early on so maybe like as you open more levels that changes but it's it's a lot of fun kirby kind of feels out of control at any given point when you're racing with him so that's a little unnerving (laughs) um and i'm still kind of getting a feel for the different power-ups and everything and how they work but yeah it's it's a really good time so far and i uh i think i'm gonna keep playing some more of it and see if i can kind of develop better opinions about it for next week's episode if we decide to come back to it. But uh, Wesley, do you have any thoughts on Kirby's Dream Buffet? Are you going to check this out? Um, sadly, probably not. Um, I have. I'm not. I haven't played much Fall Guys, and I have a lot of friends who really want me to. So I feel like I'd be sliding them if I played this instead of trying Fall Guys. Finally, um, and I'm not the biggest Kirby fan. I played a lot of Kirby on the original Game Boy. Uh, that was like one of my favorite games. I forget which one it was. Um, but yeah, I've just kind of fallen off the Kirby train. But I, I really want to get back to the Kirby hype. So maybe I'll do Forgotten Lands and then try this out. Yeah, Forgotten Land is a great place to start with that, especially since I'm assuming we'll start get some start to get some sales at some point in the next couple of months. 
but True. who knows? Because Mario game or Mario games, Nintendo games never go on sale, and it's a such a pain. It's like yeah. Breath of the Wild, finally twenty dollars off. You can spend forty dollars on this game instead of sixty. It's like it's been out for over five years. I do have um one quick question about Kirby. What is y'all's dream buffet? Dream buffet. Oh my his God. is sweets, right? Like Kirby's is, is yeah. Apparently his is like sweets. strawberries and cake and cookies Snacks. and stuff. <laughs> just snacks like what it are we talking cheeses and things yeah, like that yeah i don't even have to think about it i give me savory snacks not sweets uh just salty savory snacks i mean nice. i might just go with like a pizza buffet Ooh, they have that's those did one. you know that they do have those i mean that's, that's the dream buffet <laughs> it's called why CC's. reinvent the wheel your dream, your dream is cc's <laughs> that'll be the next well, dlc the kirby's pizza dream buffet true uh mine i think would be hot wings probably just like a thousand different flavors of hobbies. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so specific, well, Wes. Yes. <laughs> so that's four games. That's four games that have recently come out on Switch that we've covered today. I hope you enjoyed this rundown of what we're playing on Switch lately. And uh, I think that any any one of these four games are worthwhile. If, if they sound appealing to you, go check them out. And uh, Wesley, thanks so much for joining me for the news and then for this four-game discussion today. Before you get out of here, can you let the people know where they can follow you on social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at LeBlancWes. Um, and then I also want to give a special shout-out to the Game Informer YouTube page. Um, we are kind of not revamping it, but making some changes to it. And we're doing a lot of cool content there. And I'm kind of taking over our new Gameplay Today show, where I'm sure you'll see Switch games appear in the future. Um, so yeah, definitely give us a, a look there. All right, we are going to take one final break. And when we get back, Margaret and I are going to do a definitive ranking list. And then I will get her eShop gem of the week. We will be right back. We are back and it is time for Definitive Ranking, a recurring segment where we take a Nintendo topic and give our personal top five lists. Since, Margaret, you are absolutely loving Two Point Campus right now, I want to get your top five <laughs> simulation or management video games. So I'm going to turn it over to you, start at five, count it down to one, give me a sentence or two about each entry. Okay, uh, I love that Wes isn't here, so nobody can argue with me about my definitive top five ranking. Um <laughs> My number five position, and I fully admit straight straight away that this is almost certainly going to be because of nostalgia. But Roller Coaster Tycoon Two specifically, what it was like the perfect game at the perfect time with a kind of like two point campus, and that it had just like a ton of variation and levels and DLC. Uh, I played a lot of that game, and it was really great. We are off to the races with a great Woo-hoo. entry. So let's go. Let's go. Number four. <laughs> uh, can I, I I'm going to ask permission to bundle the two point games together for number four mm, and put two okay. point campus slash two point hospital since they're very similar. Let me check with the judges on this one. They'll allow it. All right. Oh, go yeah. For it. <laughs> so the two point games, hospital, campus, they all feel like they're set in the same universe. They even make in campus, they make a lot of jokes that refer to hospitals. If you played it, you know, it's like doctor required in the OI. Like it's it's adorable. So, yeah, yeah they, I mean, they point. are they exist in two point county. So like they're they are in the same universe. It's great. Uh, so the two point games are just really silly and fun. Their their tone is great. All right. Number three. Uh, this might be a controversial position, but I'm putting Stardew Valley at number three. 
I don't think that's controversial. I think that's a game that a lot of people really love. It's a game a lot of people love. I think a lot of people would put it at number one. Um, would probably be the the controversy. But Stardew oh. Valley, like I think I mentioned it earlier. I play. I finally played this on the Switch, and it was the perfect platform to play this game. It was great. Um, and I think it was after Animal Crossing. It was the first sim that I really, really. I mean, I think I ended up with almost two hundred hours on Stardew Valley when it was done. That I really dove into. So uh, that one holds a special place in my heart wow i am glad that you have uh finally gotten into it after all your failed attempts <laughs> i've also had several failed attempts with stardew valley but i've not had the one that breaks me through so i'm hopeful that that'll happen at some point because that game seems like it's it should be 100 percent my jam but it's just hasn't been so far all right what's your next one number two are we on number two is the sims it's a classic i don't make me pick one of the entries in the sims i'm just gonna say all of them the sims is a classic and have you kept up with it uh i n not really i just i don't have the time uh <laughs> when my my problem is i get really single-mindedly focused on these sim games when i play them so i can't do them all or i i would just never have any other hobbies or do anything else with my life so that makes sense i only occasionally play some sim games now some of the sims games now that's honestly why i don't get into mmos like aside from the fact that there's just so much to learn and everything it's like i can't have a game that just consumes my life like this like sim like simulation games i will be absorbed for like a week but then I'm done with them, I feel like. Like, there's rare exceptions here. But, yeah, like, if if I reacted to it the way that you seem to get completely sucked into these games, I would also have to actively <laughs> avoid some of them. <laughs> so that brings us to number one. I think I know what it's going to be, but let's hear it. Uh, you absolutely know what number one is. It's Animal Crossing, and I am going to pick New Horizons as the best one of the whole franchise. That makes me uh, so happy that you love it so much, because that best. was the game that... For years, you were just like, oh my god, we need a new Animal Crossing game. We need a new Animal Crossing game. And then we finally got it. You were so excited. And I'm just extremely happy that it lived up to your expectations and surpassed it, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, isn't that what every fan, every video games fan, it's the dream, right? Like the dangling gold carrot that you have this game, this franchise that you just adore, that you love, and they finally announce the new installment. And then it it totally surpasses all your expectations and you play 800 hours later uh, you're on a podcast talking about adorable critters and uh <laughs> house building and things like that it was great that, that's the dream <laughs> <laughs> so you, you you have a decent amount of crossover with my list but we are ordered completely differently so I'll, where your list ended, my list begins. Number five for me, Animal Crossing New Horizons. We said it earlier. It hit it like the exact right place, right time. And it it, it was a phenomenon. And Well, it, I saw your island, and I think you were just playing the game the wrong way. So if we can like <laughs> fix up your island, get rid of all the holes on the beach, I think you might be able to move it to like number three. Well, hey, similar to how you <laughs> were talking about Two Point Campus, you can watch somebody else's island on Animal Crossing, and they play that game completely. And I saw that totally, like yes. week one, I came to your island, and I was just like, oh, like you're playing like on a different dimensional plane than I am. <laughs> <laughs> like you have like paths lined with waterfalls and I'm like, how did she do this? Like, this is 
unbelievable. And I never got to that level. I did take some of your like ideas and like created like a, a waterfall for my Islanders to visit. None of them did. They didn't care. But, no, and I, uh, I absolutely took it upon myself to send you lots of presents to make sure that you had the workout room of your dreams in your house. And I absolutely did. And that's the back room of my house. But yeah, Animal Crossing New Horizons is my number five. Number four, maybe one that people have forgotten about, Game Dev Story. Did you ever play this? I didn't. No, but I remember when it was announced, actually, that you and I talked right when it was announced about how fun it looked. And then I I must have been playing Animal Crossing when it came out because I totally missed it. So Game Dev Story actually came out before I was with Game Informer. So we may have been talking about a different game. Game Dev Story was, I played it on iPhone, like, it was like my I'm really bored. What am I going to play? And it would just be like, let me progress the story of my game development studio, because there's another one that you might be thinking of, Margaret, called Game Dev Tycoon, which is a completely different game. That's just like the same style where you're running a game development studio with like these retro graphics and you're trying to put out the best game you can. And like you start off making just terrible, awful games. Like it's like <laughs> all right, the reviews are like because like at the when you put out a game, reviews come out. And then it shows how the game has sold. And then you can shoot, you can even design a, like a new console and everything. So it's a really fun game. It's relatively cheap on iOS and then it it is on switch as well. So both of these games have been on switch. I'm really regretting agreeing to do this list with you because now I want to play this game and I'm afraid that it's just gonna be like another 80 hours of my life gone to build the perfect video game. I'm looking up, uh, how much it is on switch because (laughs) (laughs) i think that you should get it i gotta work on my cult brian stop it (laughs) so game dev story for switch i'm loading the eShop page right now it is 14 dollars. that's not bad at all no that's a great price i would i would totally pay that i think it was only like five or ten dollars on ios because it was like a premium ios game it doesn't have any microtransactions or anything so Check that out if you haven't already. A lot of fun. Number three, City Skylines. I think that in in lieu of putting a SimCity game on here, City Skylines is just the perfect city builder. I think it's the best city builder that's ever come out. You know, people say SimCity 2000. I actually struggled with not putting SimTown on this list because that was the game that introduced me to city builders way back on like a Mac computer, like in the 90s. But yeah, City Skylines, it just combines all the elements of of every great city builder. It's what SimCity should have been when EA revamped it like several years ago. And then it was that version was just terrible. City Skylines was like almost like the Sonic mania of simulation games where it's like, all right, well, the developer isn't making like the developer of like this classic game franchise isn't making the game that we want. So we're going to have a fan group do it and they do it incredible. And that's almost what City Skyline feels like. It's like a spiritual successor to the classic SimCity games. And it's just terrific. And I have not played the Switch version of this, but uh, I mean, the Xbox version and the PC version are equally as good. And I, I think that City Skylines is worthwhile to check out for any fan of, of simulation or management games. They keep putting out new uh, expansions too. It came out in 2015 and they're still supporting it with post-launch DLC. Brian, I think you're going to need to live stream this game for, I mean, at least me. I want (laughs) to, I I really want to love this game. I've always been intrigued by it. And I think I just need to see you play it and live vicariously through your world building because it does look like the best. 
game. Oh, it's incredible. And there's so many great expansions as well that added different gameplay mechanics. The mod community, if you play on PC, is terrific. And the developer has embraced it wholeheartedly, like allowing people to create like different textures and put them in the game. It's just the perfect city builder. And I, I could not love that game more. It's one of the games that I've had installed on my PC since the day that I, I turned it on for the first time. And you know what one of those other ones is? Tell me. Number two, Roller Coaster Tycoon 2. Oh my God, you put it on your list too? I'm, yes. That's specifically amazing. Specifically too. And that's I mean, Roller Coaster Tycoon 1. Yeah. Roller Coaster Tycoon 1 is incredible. Tycoon 2, I think, is the peak of the series. It Tycoon really 3 has started getting a little, uh, for, excuse the pun here, off the rails. And then, like, every Roller Coaster Tycoon game since then, I feel like, has been, like, kind of a shell of its former self or bogged down by microtransactions and, like, free-to-play nonsense. So Roller Coaster Tycoon 2, I would... I mean, this was the first game when I got this just completely amazing gaming PC that I'm recording this podcast on right now. The first thing I did was install <laughs> Roller Coaster Tycoon 2. Naturally. Uh, I wish this game would come to Switch, but it it's a, an absolute classic that you can still buy on Steam, and it's not very demanding. So if you don't have a great gaming PC, it's like, you know, a, a PC from the 90s could run it. So I have a feeling your laptop, whatever it is, could run it as well. And I've, I've run it on on laptops that are not meant for gaming. So it's a, it's a great game to have on the go, and hopefully it comes to Switch at one point, but it seems like it... Probably won't because like the developer who owns the rights to it now has been making their own roller coaster tycoon games that are just not super great from all indications. But Margaret, number one for me, The Sims 2. And I chose two because it's another one where it's like, all right, Sims 1 had a really great uh, like establishing of the foundation of this. Sims 2 took all those elements to the next level without changing the formula up too much. Like I felt Sims 3 kind of changed too many things it changed the aesthetic too much which you know ultimately it was a good thing to change the aesthetic but i liked the more basic visuals of the sims 1 and 2 and sims 2 added so many things had some fun expansions that's why it's my number one you know i played i you know maybe touched sims 1 i played a little of sims 3 because i spent so much time in sims 2 like you did like that was definitely the one that I played the most of and Sims 3 was just never going to be the same um and then honestly I just have I was so worried that I would get lost in Sims 4 that I have kind of steered clear of it I played a little bit but I think I would agree with you there that Sims 2 was the best one has been the best one of the series so it's funny my story with the Sims 2 is I played the Sims 1 a decent amount and I was playing on my laptop and Eventually, The Sims 2 came out and I bought that and I bought like I, I was playing a little bit of it. And then like right around that time, my family did a road trip from Maryland to Florida and it was like just a family vacation middle of the summer. And <clears throat> I remember my girlfriend at the time and I got super into playing Sims 2. So we, we got maybe like four hours into the trip and we had like a plug that you could connect like it was like a, a car charger for the laptop. And so I had the laptop sitting on my lap. I was playing The Sims 2. We were like designing like the house together and everything. <laughs> it's charging the laptop. It's running The Sims. And I remember we, it was like, all right, we're going to go into Walmart or something and like kind of shake out our legs. We've been driving for like four or five hours. Went into Walmart, bought like two or three expansions 
of Sims 2 and we're just like installing all these expansions onto my laptop and playing through all the new stuff. And I remember at a certain point, because it's charging, it's playing the game, it's installing expansions. I looked, I was like, my legs are like really, really warm. And I picked oh, it up no. and my legs were red because my laptop was so <laughs> hot. So uh, I had to get like a towel that I put on my legs to <laughs> to put the laptop on. But yeah, I burnt the crap out of my legs playing The Sims 2 on a road trip. I mean, I think everybody that puts any number one thing on their video games list has like battle stories about how that that game impacted them in some way or <laughs> made their legs red on a really long vacation road trip. I mean, I think that's <laughs> the appropriate story for your number one entry. For sure. And that's why, honestly, that story and like how obsessed with that game I was back in the day. I mean, I was obsessed with Roller Coaster Tycoon 2 as well and Animal Crossing New Horizons, of course, everybody was. But The Sims 2, I feel like, was just like a whole nother level of like, I need to play this game every single day when I'm not going to school or when I'm not going to my part time job at that time. It's 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 an all time great game. But Margaret, we are going to transition from definitive ranking to our final segment of the show. It's the eShop Gem of the Week. Gives you a chance to shout out a lesser known title or maybe a game we wouldn't otherwise cover on this podcast. What is your eShop Gem of the Week? My eShop Gem of the Week is Nobody Saves the World. All right. Um, and as just as we were transitioning, I was thinking back to the Cult of the Lamb segment. And this was the other game that uh, I would say is <laughs> Cult of the Lamb is like. It has... It has it feels a lot like nobody saves the world in some ways. So talk to me about what exactly this game is. This game, um, you know, it's funny. Uh, somebody else came to me and was like, "Have you played Nobody Saves the World?" I think, and this must have been over the holiday of last year. So I was playing some other AAA games and probably busy on my Animal Crossing island. And I was like, "No, who has time for that?" And this person <laughs> was like, uh, "No, I think you would really like it." Um, it, it does all the things that you really enjoy in a video game. So I picked it up and it, not even an hour into this game, I was like, wow, this game reminds me a lot of Guacamelee. Like they're not at all the same, but they kind of feel the same. And then I looked on my phone and I was like, oh, well, of course it feels the same because it's, it's the same developer. Yeah, drink um, box. Yeah. And it's it's silly and it's fun. And um, I'm starting to recognize a pattern in the games that I like. They're all silly and fun. Uh, but also challenging. This game is really hard. So there's a fair amount of like tactics in choosing whether you're going to be a magician dealing damage with your with the rabbit in your hat and the sharp cards in your hand, or if you switch to a turtle and blast people with water. You do have to actually kind of know what you're doing in order to progress through the levels. But uh, there's a lot of variety, a nice amount of dungeon crawling. It's fun. It's a really... Uh, you know, f for the holiday, for a holiday game where I was like at home uh, looking for something to do that kept me really interested and on my toes. It was the it, it's, it's a great game for that. And it does have a really cool art style, which, you know, you would expect from the studio that gave us Guacamelee and Severed. Like, it's just a it's a really eye catching game. And it just came out in April. I didn't realize that came out so recently. Uh, yeah, it's it feels really like polished and, and well done. I I just have had the best time in it. And it's only $25 if you do want to check it out. So, of course, as has become the running gag on this show, 
I am turned on to another new game that I am going to probably drop money for and then <laughs> never get around to playing because welcome, like my, my Switch and Steam libraries are just out of control at this point. Xbox with Game Pass, PlayStation with PlayStation. Like I'm just drowning in games that I need to play. <laughs> uh, but I appreciate you telling me about this game because it sounds incredible. And uh, I've heard some buzz about it, but like hearing it from you and like I know your tastes and everything, I think that this is one I'm going to have to check out at some point. So I have officially added it to my wish list and uh margaret thank you so much for coming on the show i think that is an episode thanks for having me and thank you so much to everyone for listening do me a favor if you haven't already throw all things nintendo a five-star review and hit that subscribe button and if you want to get any questions or comments in you can get in touch with me at all things nintendo at gameinformer.com or hit me up on twitter or instagram at brian p shea and as always you can join the game informer community discord which is a perk for subscribing to our twitch channel even just for one month margaret where can people follow you on social media uh, I am at Sophieva on Twitter, S-O-P-H-E-A-V-A. And uh, I always appreciate your uh, Animal Crossing tweets, and uh, I'm not going to tell the name of it, but you have an account where you just tweet out pleasant screenshots. <laughs> I do. Of games you're playing. I do. Those... Lately, it's my, it, my feed has been filled with... Uh, and by filled, I mean I've posted two, the two times I've won in Fall Guys, which is really amazing because I am notoriously awful at Fall Guys, but I won it twice and so I think those are my two most recent screenshots. Well, well I'm sure the, the listeners will join me in congratulating you on those amazing victories. <laughs> but for now, that is our show for this week. Thank you all again so much for listening. Take care. We will see you next time. <laughs>